0: Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. All right, my friends, I am here today with Mina Black. She is an amazing person with an amazing story, so I cannot wait to get into all the details of what she's got going on. But first off, Mina, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am excited and excited to just share a little bit of what I know after being on this earth for a number of years.
0: Yeah, I am excited about that too, most especially because your thing is financial wellness. Well, you have a lot of things, but that's one of them, and that integrates so specifically and beautifully with the whole concept of this show. My idea is that wealth equals well-being, and so we're speaking the same language here. I'm super excited to dig into it, but before we get into all the, the knowledge bombs and everything else, I'd love for the listener to get to know you a little bit better. So if you could give us kind of the brushstrokes of your journey, your your wealth evolution, if you will. I know you were born in Ghana, and then start us off from that point.
1: <laughs> so I was born in Ghana, West Africa, for those of you that aren't familiar with um, where Ghana is. It's on the west coast of Africa, and it is um, somewhat, it's not a large company, a company cart, large com- country by any stretch of imagination. I think at that point it was like 20 million of us there. I literally grew up in an environment whereby I lived in a little village. There was no running water. So literally I would for baths, for those of you that are wondering to take a bath, I would literally take a bucket outside and just wash outside because that's all we had access to. So I spent the first eight years of my life Literally in that environment, uh, growing up with my grandmother, who was a quadriplegic, uh, rest her soul, and myself, and a lot, and a lot, and I mean a lot of family members, um, all under one roof, and in this small little village whereby electricity was literally non-existent. So after, uh, unfortunately, my my mom passed away when I was younger. So as a result of that, I actually came to the United States, and I lived... When I came to the U.S., lived with my mom, my mom, my uh, father and my stepmom, one of the things, uh, bless my parents, I love them to death. They are awesome people. Uh, But one of the things, unfortunately, that I really never had exposure to was finances. Um, And what I mean by that is my dad has this, like, (laughs) one of his favorite sayings that I say I'm going to write on his tombstone, which is, right now I'm broke, all I have is a dollar. So when you grow up with that kind of um, (laughs) somebody saying that to you on a regular basis, you start to have some really interesting thoughts about money and what it means to have money and what it means to be financially well. So I I remember uh, for me, money was just something that other people had. It wasn't something that we had necessarily. We weren't certainly, um, we were certainly better off than I was in Ghana when I lived in Ghana, but we weren't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. We were, I would say probably lower middle class. So money was not something that I thought about. It's just something that was over there for those other people, it was something that other people had. Um, and I remember it got to the point whereby when I got to college, and for those of you that are a little older, uh, it used to be that credit card companies could visit college campuses and offer some wonderful credit cards to us. To <laughs> <So, laughs> so you, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, right, Mindy? I do
0: know. I was one of those people. <laughs>
1: You're one of those people, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I, I'm going to just hang my head in shame and say, yes, I was very much one of those people. And when they came to my campus and offered us the cards, I took all the cards, and I mean all the cards <laughs> that they had to offer. And, uh, and I took them with the intention of, um, oh, well, it's just free money, so they're giving it to me, so it must be free, right? And the thought of paying it back, just it didn't click. It just, it didn't click because it was... Well, why would they offer it to me if they wanted me to give it back? That's not how. <laughs> that's not what you do when you give people stuff. So, Nina, I'm I over got here
0: d- laughing because, I, you're, the story you're telling is me, <laughs> is to right? a degree. So, I can't wait to hear how it turns out for you.
1: It's just, it, it was just, uh, I, I wholeheartedly made a mess of my finances in undergrad, and I remember when I got out of college, um, undergrad, I was like, okay, I have no idea what to do for a job because. Psh- what? Like all my entire life, you know, people have always told me what to do. Um, So I was completely confused. Uh, Thankfully I took a number of like odd jobs here and there. And then I, one of those odd jobs turned into a full-time gig. And I remember working and starting that job. And my dad told me, he's like, Nina, make sure you enroll in your 401k. One, I was like, I'm sorry, what is that? (laughs) I have no idea what that is. What is that? And he's like, no, no, you need to, it's a way for you to put away money. And I remember thinking, why would I put away money? That's so odd, you know? Cause again, it wasn't something that I, like I was taught. It wasn't something that was really uh, something that I, anybody had ever shared with me. So he was like, you need to put away money and save a little, bit of the, a little bit of that money. And I remember thinking, what a strange thing to say. And so me being me at, <laughs> at that young age, I was like, okay, well, my dad's like, you know, try to put away 10 or 20% of your income. I said, what? that's a lot of money. That's insane. So me being me, I was like, I'm going to put away a percent, 1%. 1%. <laughs> and then we'll see how that goes, you know, because, you know, I was young. I was like early twenties. I'm like out of college. I'm going to spend all the money that I could possibly spend. So I made the uh, wonderful decision to just put away a little bit. And I will say to this day, I thank my dad for forcing me to do that and for telling me to do that. The only thing that I would say that didn't come out well in that story is that I didn't I just put the money away. I didn't know what I was doing, you know? So again, I knew that I needed to save. I didn't know how to save. That makes sense. I didn't know what the point of saving was. So um, I, I realized I got to the point whereby I wanted to buy my first home. And I did one of the things that you're not supposed to do when you're buying a home. I took money out of my 401k to help me buy the home which is not something you're supposed to do. (laughs) It's really not something you're supposed to do. So uh, after doing that, and I made another wonderful financial decision, which was I took a job that paid me $20,000 less. (laughs) Like I'm literally doing all the things you're not supposed to do. Um, You and me
0: both, you and me both.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like all the things you're not supposed to do. And then it was literally at that point, I was like, you know what? I got to figure this money thing out because I, I come, my belief system is really, we need to have one person in the family that is uh, a professional in each category, like one attorney, one doctor, somebody in this family has to understand money. Somebody has to understand finances. So I, I said, okay, you know what? I, at that point I had started reading about investing. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to invest. I'm going to learn about this investing world. And that's what led me to become a financial advisor, believe it or not. Uh, Is because I made all the mistakes (laughs) that you could possibly make. And I said, you know what? I need to turn my life around because this is not going to work for me 20, 30 years down the line. So I became an advisor. And as a result of becoming an advisor over the course of the past almost 15, 20 years, I've literally uh, gotten to the point whereby my mission now is to really be a blessing to other women and help them. Uh, not only manage their money, but manage their money so that they can be a blessing to other people. And that way we do that is through angel investing.
0: So awesome and so resonant. I I know you don't know me very well, but my story was essentially the same story at the beginning, except I was taking out money from the 401k to start my business years ago. And then for me, it ended up in bankruptcy. So like all the things, all the things you are not supposed to do, I did, and part of that was starting this podcast of like, let's look at the mistakes and the pitfalls along the way, and hopefully like you're doing now, help others not have those same mistakes that we did. So it must have taken you a significant and serious shift in not only your knowledge, you know, gaining the knowledge, but the mindset. And that's really what I'd love to dig in with you because there may be people listening that are like, I'm hearing you. I am right there, now what? Like Now what do I do? How do I get out of this mess that I have created for myself? So what are some of the things that you did to really work on that, that inner game of money?
1: You know what, the first thing honestly that I had to work on for myself was seeing what was possible. And what I mean by that is my belief system was always that it was, money was for other people wealth was for other people. And I think a lot of that, to be quite honest, for me, I come from a, um, back growing up, we were a very religious family. If you know anything about Christianity, there's a Bible verses, the rich man and the camel story. And there's that Bible verse. And I literally grew up with that Bible verse, just going over and over and over, playing over and over in my mind, thinking that it was bad. Wanting wealth was bad. Liking money was bad. So I really had to start and shift my mindset and really realize, and I remember I went to an event many, many years later and this woman who was like well-versed in the biblical theology, she not only quoted that Bible verse, but she told me the background of that particular Bible verse and that literally helped shift my mindset. And the background for um, the backstory to that particular verse was literally about, obviously the love of money being the cause of this, being the the real problem and at that time, And I'm not going to go into too much into detail, but at that time, there was a reason why they said the camel threw a needle of an eye and everything. But it was literally understanding that that Bible verse was being misinterpreted by so many different people, myself included. It helped me shift my mindset and realize that, you know what? Oh my gosh, this is, I've been looking at this all wrong. I've been looking at, not only at this all wrong, but... It's okay for me to have money because in order for me to help other people, one of my biggest missions in addition to helping women grow their wealth is I'm going to go back and build the infrastructure in that little village that I grew up in. I can't do that without money. (laughs) I can't do any of that without money. So I really had to, I had to change my mindset and shift and start realizing that it was possible for somebody like me, who literally grew up in a, uh, in a small little village, that it's not just for those that are Boring with the silver spoons in their mouths. You know, it's for all of us if we're willing to just put in a, a little bit of work.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about something because I know for me, this sometimes things like that still come up. So I very similarly grew up in the Christian church. I actually, my undergrad is in Christian theology. So that whole thing that you're talking about, I'm like, yes, you know exactly what you're going into there. Sometimes stuff like that still pops in, still shows up. One, does that happen for you? And two, how do you mitigate that or manage that as you move forward knowing what you know now?
1: You know, and it does happen to me, I'm gonna be honest um, because I still, obviously I'm still in, um, I'm not as deep into that world as I was when I was growing up but I'm still obviously very much in that world and it does come up for me every once in a while. And I think for me, the way, at least the way I've been handling it is I look at the long-term goal, I have a long-term vision And my long-term vision is so much bigger than me. Um, One of my, my life motto is you do not walk alone. What I mean by that is I can't be a blessing to other people. If I'm literally being selfish and saying to myself, well, I can't build this wall. That's not what God wants me. You know, I can't do that. You know, so my, that motto and knowing that I'm, I have a bigger, grander vision is honestly what helps me shift when I start to feel like, well, you can't do that. What's what? You can't build that. That's not for you. That's for those people in there. That's what honestly helps me pull myself out of that mindset. Is you have bigger things to worry about, and you can't. God helps those who help themselves. And right now, you're not helping yourself by thinking that way.
0: So true. Yes, That, that just that right there is a great reminder. Now, how do you, coming from where you come from, knowing what you know now, doing all the work that you've done, how do you define wealth? What is that to you?
1: You know what? Uh, this is a, it's an interesting question that I often ask myself, to be quite honest. And the reason I ask myself that question is because I feel like it changes and it has evolved from me. Um, when I used to be, when I first became an advisor, when I first uh, came into this industry, wealth was money, was strictly money. But over the course of my career, it's about so much more than money. You know, whether is the wealth meaning my relatives, my friends, and family. For me, is the financial. Plus the power, and what I mean by power is the blessing being able to provide for those that are around me—not just my friends and family. To me, that's what equals wealth. It is not just the the actual physical, you know, the actual physical um, mon- the monetary, but the blessing piece, the power piece, being able to say, "Okay, you know what? It's okay if so and so is unable to make a rent payment. I got you. You're good." Like to me, that's wealth because it's not. I'm not doing it because um, I feel like they owe me. I'm doing it because, uh, one, my Myers-Briggs, <laughs> I'm an I and uh, TJ and we are the Mother Teresa's yes. world world. So <laughs> we're gonna save the world from itself. So um, it, it, honestly, it's all about that, meaning that I do not walk alone. If, some, if my counterpart or my friend over here or this person is struggling, then how can I possibly keep enjoying my life? Does that make sense? So for me, wealth is just, it's more than the monetary. It's monetary plus being able to be a blessing to other people.
0: Yeah, I love that. Talk to me about what is financial wellness? How do you define that? What is that?
1: For me and for most of my clients, the financial wellness is all about, obviously, not just being able to manage your finances, but to understand why it's important to manage your finances. And I think for a lot of us, we often don't know why we're doing some things. And that leads to a little bit of discord within ourselves. Uh, Because we just know that, okay, somebody's telling me to budget, but why? You know, yes, I may be able to like make my rent payment or my mortgage payment, but like, so who cares, you know? So I think understanding the why, and more importantly, being able to tie a lot of that back to our childhood and all the things we were taught uh, growing up and how all of those things play a part in how we carry ourselves today financially, um, all of that plays into our overall financial well-being because until we're able to get rid of all that gunk <laughs> that most of us grew up with, uh, we're not gonna be financially well. you know. And be- believe it or not, financial wellness does, unfortunately, if you're not financially well, there is a psychological component and it leads to some really, it can even um, manifest physically as well and all of that unfortunately it can lead to some really dire health consequences later on. So being financially well does play into all these other wellness pieces, if if you will.
0: Uh, Yes, I will, because I wanna dig in on that. This is your, again, speaking my language because I'm all about looking at the holistic aspect of how this impacts us, what we're doing, what we're here to do, our purpose, all of that. So I wanna ask you a little bit more about when you were saying sometimes that even manifests physically. Can you give us an example or how might that show up? Sure. So imagine if I'm
1: unable to pay for my my rent or my mortgage or I'm able to afford medication for my child, right? The stress, the amount of stress that brings on, I call it the 3 a.m. wake-ups. You're jerked out of your sleep because you're just so stressed and worried about meeting some type of payment, right? And it literally starts to manifest on your face, your whole body, your body it, your body no longer functions, at least this is what I, I've actually encountered this physically, whereby it's just, I don't even know how to call it, I call it like a monkey on your back. Like you just start to feel this weight on you. And it literally can lead to some other ailments that um, there's actually research behind this. And there's a, a wonderful woman that does research um, regarding being financially unwell leads to all of these physical uh, ailments, including Believe you're not like diabetes at some point because we're so stressed, because we're so stressed about finances, because we're constantly worried and it leads to like overeating. Like there's just so many things and so many areas that it shows up, but often we don't tie it back to being financially unwell. We literally focus on that immediate ailment without realizing that, wait a minute, oh, you know what? It's because I'm not, I don't have access to like good food and good nutrition. I don't have access to all of these things and all of that's, And as a result of not having access, that's causing stress on my body. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that all of this ties in together. So I'm a big proponent of essentially following that thread from your overall financial wellness to seeing where it shows up. Cause it will shows up in some mysterious ways and some like really mysterious ways in your other parts of your life that most of us don't even
0: realize Such an important point. Thank you for that. So let's talk a little bit about solutions. What can people do to even, even begin this journey or this conversation? Because they may be hearing you and saying, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I am in that mess and I need to figure this out. Where do I start?
1: So the first step I always tell people is check yourself. That's the first, literally the first step of everything I do. And what I mean by check yourself is check your mindset check where you are, are you ready to actually make meaningful change and meaningful progress with your finances, right? So that's the first step is really having a heart to heart with yourself about where you are with your finances and un- realizing and understanding what happened and why, how did I get to where I am today? And how can I move forward? And how can I move forward to a place where I'm actually happy with everything that's going on? And that doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I have all the money in the world, but I'm okay with my life at that point, right? So that's the first step is checking yourself. The second step is where we actually start looking at, you start daydreaming a little bit. What do you want to happen in your life? One year from now, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 25 years from now. One of the exercises that I, I do with our clients is we do a 25 year exercise and we look 25 years in the future. It's actually a concept created by this gentleman, Taylor Pearson. And he literally asked each person to ask themselves, if you were looking at your life 25 years from now, right? And you were looking back and you were to ask yourself, what has to happen have happened within that 25 years for you to consider yourself successful? And it's really something that a lot of us overlook because we do the one, five, three, or one three five ten 10 year planning, but we don't look that far into the future, right? So what exactly is gonna happen? The year is 2021. In 2046, what is life going to look like for you? What do you want life to look like for you? Once you know that, that's when you start working backwards. All right. So if you tell me, Mina, I want to have 10 successful businesses. Okay. What does that look like in terms of actually growing your wealth? Okay. Is it your own businesses? Are you investing in other businesses? Are these just, um, are these businesses that are started by other people and you're just being a blessing to them? right? So what does that actually look like for you 25 years from now? And then once we know exactly what those goals are, we start working backwards by creating a financial roadmap to help you get there, right? So create a financial roadmap, meaning how much money is going to be required to reach each goal that you have, that you set for yourself over the next one, three, five, 25 years. How much money, how much um, income do you need? And when I say income, I'm not just referring to income from like your nine to five, or even a small business. I'm referring to just all income, investment income, right? Real estate income, investing in the stock market. Uh, And that obviously, if you work nine to five, that type of income as well. How does all of that play into your overall financial wellness in the next one to five years, one to 10 years, one to 25 years, right? So we start looking to see not only how much money is required but what steps we have to take to actually get there. So if, let's say you say, you know what, I want to buy a home in three years or five years. Okay, how much money do we need? We need 250000 Okay, great. Let's work backwards from that. What investments, what savings do we need to set up to make sure that we actually reach those goals? So it is a lot of, I should say a lot, but it, it does take a little bit of um, daydreaming and thinking about what you want to happen so that you can actually be plan, start planning. And I know most people don't like the word plan. I'm a big fan of the planning, but I know some people don't, but honestly, that's really at the core of all this. We have to plan or else we end up in a situation whereby we're just not doing what we should be doing.
0: So true. I, planning has changed my life. I would not say that I'm a natural planner. I don't tend toward that. I tend toward more spontaneity, but truly to your point, it changes everything so if you can make the plan then stick to the plan (laughs) it's super helpful so Mina, one of the things that i really like to do is to get inside some of the mindsets and habits of my guests people who are really living out this prosperity awareness prosperity consciousness on a day-to-day basis figuring out like what is it that you do and how do you do it so i have this framework that is four steps i'll walk you through the steps it spells out herb, H-E-R-B. So the H is habits. What are some of your habits on a day-to-day or weekly basis that contribute to just your ability to stay in that higher level prosperity mindset instead of getting kicked back into the, what we were talking about earlier, like those limiting beliefs and all all the crap that shows up? So
1: one of them, I'm a big fan of habits. I actually have a we use tiny habits in our program. So we develop little tiny habits to reach each and every individual goal that we have. So for me, one of the tiny habits is literally looking at my bank account every day after doing something. And what I mean by something, and that is like brushing my teeth. So if you're familiar with um, the concept of tiny habits, there's the author, uh, BJ Fogg, he's a Stanford professor. Um, The goal of creating tiny habits is having it, making it so that it is something that almost becomes natural and part of your every day and obviously every day you brush your teeth in the morning and in the evening so okay you know what um i'm brushing my teeth let me look at my, my let me look at my accounts let me look at my cash flow to see where things stand so that's one of the biggest and one of the i would say most useful habits that you can do for your finances is look at your accounts every day i think for a lot of us we do one of these um whereby we just like see no evil when it comes uh, that's to what finances. i used to do
0: like when i was back in the day with all those credit cards i didn't look cuz i didn't want to know
1: <laughs> you don't want to know right and there's even some i remember like i used to do the um close one eye while i took the atm card into the atm you know like um, is it going to um, work
0: is there money is in it there work? <laughs>
1: Is it going to, let's see. It's like a game that we play with ourselves. But if we develop the habit of actually looking, not only do we get used to having that money mindset, but we also, we almost, it almost becomes a high because you you start being creative in how to grow that money. So if possible, um, I, I always try to recommend to people to just start there and look at your money every single day.
0: I love that. I call that being a truth teller. You know, just being honest about, where you are financially knowing how much debt you're in, if you are in debt, knowing you know what is in your bank account. Cause like I mentioned for a long time, I just didn't wanna look because it was too painful to look at this situation that I knew I myself had created. So learning to tell the truth about that. And to your point, just looking at what are the numbers just every single day. So that's an awesome habit, thank you. So the E in herb stands for environment. An environment can be your home, your office, your car, you know, wherever you find yourself physically. How do you set up your environment to win? So for me, one of
1: my, um, one of my things that I do is actually, I listen to, um, believe it or not, I listen to, I block out everything by listening to binaural beats. I, I pull up YouTube and I just go into my own little world. And not only does it help me I do, I meditate every day. So not only does it help me like just be a bit more centered, but for me, it helps me just recap my day, start my day to like really think about what it is that I need to focus on. So that's a big part of my day is listening to those like concentration. I should say music or like, <laughs> it could be considered music, but it helps me tune out the world, if that makes sense. Cause there's so much noise <laughs> in the world. It helps me block out everything that's going on. And okay, you know what? Like I, one of the things I actually have on my uh, habits list. So I like to, um, I started painting. So I'm going to add that to my painting sessions just to block out the Nice,
0: thing. nice. Now how often, cause I usually use Binaural Beats when I'm writing, if I want to kind of up my creativity and just have a focused session. But how, how long during a day do you normally listen to them?
1: Well, I actually do believe it and I literally have it on the whole day. Oh, wow. I literally have, I do, yeah. So like, from the time I start working, the time I stop, you know, like obviously not in like, not during meetings, but um, like in between, I'm just like, I'm in my own little roles because awesome. um, I'm a big fan of this concept called deep work. And one of my missions in life is to be able to slip into the deep work mode at any given moment. And I find that that helps uh, the binaural beats helps with nice. that. Nice.
0: I love that. So the R in Herb stands for resources and resources could be books, programs, coaches, mentors, whatever it may be what are some of the resources that have most impacted you in your evolution and that you would recommend to others?
1: You know, so um, books are a big one. So for anyone that's either just starting their financial journey or they're really interested in even investing. So if you're just starting your financial journey, there's two books that I, um, I recommend. And one of them is actually by now Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren. It's called All Your Worth. Um, for those of you that don't know, she was, I believe, a bankruptcy attorney, I believe at some point, I know she was an attorney of some sort way back when, but she and her daughter wrote this fantastic book called All Your Worth. And it just walks you through how to manage your money. And if you've ever heard of a financial advisor or financial planner, say 50, 30, 20, when it comes to creating your budget, a lot of us got that from her, from that book, All Your Worth. So go ahead and take a look at that book. It just walks you through essentially how to Become really good about um, managing your money, and more importantly, how to keep being good at managing your money. So hers is one. There is, uh, if you're interested in investing, there's a number of investing books that are fantastic for investing. There is a book called Smart um, Savvy Women Invest. It's another fantastic book for um, women that are very much interested in learning how to invest. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, There's a company called Lightbulb light bulb press. And they have these little, I call them little booklets. They're like 20, 30 pages at most. And they cover all of these personal finance topics and primarily investing, like invest invest in essentials. I highly, highly recommend them to anybody that's interested in the investing world.
0: I love all of those things because I'm a huge fan of books. It sounds like you may be as well. What are some of your favorite, I mean, even apart from just like recommended resources, what are some of your favorite books? I have to ask.
1: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) How much time do you have? I am a, uh, like, like I literally live in books. So um, some of my favorites, I do tend to read more nonfiction than fiction. So I love uh, Angela Duckworth's Grit, Anything by Brene Brown, Deep Work by Cal Newport is another one. I tend to gravitate toward like nonfiction, almost like self-development or self-help books, but um, that's where I, I
0: tend to live. Love it. I'm again with you. I'm like, how, how long do you got? We could talk about books all day. (laughs) So we won't of course, let's move on to the B. The B stands for beliefs. What are some of your core beliefs or just worldviews, the ways in which you see the world that really contribute to your level of success?
1: One of my biggest beliefs I will say is that um, scarcity when it comes to money, like this is one of the, I actually, actually had to work on a lot, but I, I've always, i always, I've reached a point in my life and at least in my belief system whereby I feel like you can always make money. Mm. And what I mean by that is that it's not finite. It's not, oh my God, if I don't, you know, I won't be able to get, no, no, you can always make money. You know, regardless of um, where your station is in life, you can always mon- make money. And there are obviously more important things, but for me, I no longer stress out about money as, as much as I used to, because even if I'm like saying, I'm like, okay, I have a dollar. Okay. Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think, you know, I know that I can always think of a way and there's always a way for me to dig myself out of that hole.
0: When you said that, I just have to share this with you. It was like relief to my soul because while I know that, and you know that, sometimes we, we forget that. And I was just thinking back to a little over about a year and a half ago, my husband passed away. And right after that experience, that was my biggest fear. Like, of course it was illogical and it didn't make any sense. Like I was already a six figure business owner. It wasn't a logical thought, but my first fear thought was I'm never gonna make any money again. And just hearing you say that, I'm like, yes, like if everybody listening right now can just take that in, you can always make more money. So I'm so grateful that you just said that. And just the way that you said it was very calming. So I appreciate that so much. So Mina, this has been fantastic. I wish we had much, much more time. But if people are interested in learning more about you and what you're up to, where would you like to send them? Um, If anybody's interested in learning
1: more about me, they can visit uh, my company's website, uh, www.getintheblack.net. You can read up some of our wonderful blog posts about any and all financial topics, or you can hit me up. I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Walt with Mina. I am very much open (laughs) to conversations. And as they say, my DMs are open. So feel free to say hello, even if you just want to say hello, because I do get quite a bit of that. So
0: Awesome. Well, Mina, thank you so much. It's been a delight to talk to you. And I really appreciate everything that you shared with my audience.
1: Thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the Lucrative Society on iTunes. And please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources or to become a member of the Lucrative Society. Where I coach purpose based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well being.